Jesus, you're good. Good. Jesus was the best. Welcome to Soapbox. We are here with Evan Dean Shelton, and we are talking about Scooter McRae's uh, Shattered Dead. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for coming. Um, <laughs> this movie was wild. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. What, uh, where, what made you choose this movie? uh well um i i just want more people to know about shattered dead i want more people to watch it it's my favorite shot on video horror movie even though it's like a technical shot it was shot on beta which is a type of video but it's not oh wow um which is why it's like a little cleaner and and crisper than like a straight vhs film but uh yeah mainly i'm just kind of like shattered dead evangelizing and uh (laughs) But but also like I figured you know for um for a podcast like yours for dudes like you we'd have something to talk about with this one because I there's like a there's definitely an undercurrent of mm, I don't know if occultism is the right word but there's like occult ideology there's there's big weird ideas in this movie yeah there's sure. there's definitely <laughs> definitely big uh, how did you discover it that's that's the thing I'm curious about. Like um, these little uh, weird movies like this, it's it's sometimes there's a there's an interesting journey to how you even find about their find out about their existence. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess it's kind of boring, man. I, I I'm big time into a podcast called Astro Radio Z, and Astro Radio Z is is grimy, um, <laughs> true true like cult film, true underground cult film, and they they cover a lot of shot on video stuff. And in the episode where they talked about this, I just was like, what, what the fuck? I got to see this movie. (laughs) Um, And the guy who runs Astro Radio Z is a a pal and he uh, lets me use his Plex. You guys use Plex or do you know about Plex? No. No. Okay. So Plex is basically like you, uh, you rip your movies onto your hard drive and then your hard drive becomes like a, a streaming server for other people oh. so you share your plex and, and somebody signs into plex and they can stream whatever's on your computer it's like oh, you're crazy it's That's fucking badass. yeah it's really cool and Derek carey from astro radio z he's got like he's got like 1500 movies on his plex or something just a massive library of stuff. and so much shit that like it's like i know if i can't find a movie somewhere i can find it on Derek's plex you know he's got it <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. And so that's how I first first saw Shattered Dead, which was like a a VHS rip on a hard drive, which really, really didn't look great. Um, But uh, recently it got a good Blu-ray press on uh, Saturn. And it's wild how like clean it looks, you know, I mean, it's still video, but it's it's beta. So it's like it looks like a well-produced TV show from the late 80s or something. (laughs) Huh. It's it's funny because the way I because this movie I can't find online at all like I can't find it like streaming or whatever so right. Rev did somehow I don't know I don't know what black magic he used but um, <laughs> it, it actually uh, it was actually kind of fun because it made me go to the local like independent video store here in Atlanta called Videodrome that still exists. Oh fuck, you're in Atlanta, man. Yeah. 
Oh, sweet. Okay, I didn't know that. I'm like three hours south of you, dude. Um. Oh shit, really? Yeah, well, yeah. We I'm... should definitely meet up. Um. Yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> and what? There's a uh, video store in Atlanta still. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's all DVD and Blu-rays. Sure. And, uh, and it was funny because I, I went in there and I at, like I was like, they have to have this movie. They have everything. They have uh-huh. to have this movie. And uh, and I didn't see it anywhere on the shelves. And finally, I went to the guy and asked about it. And and he was like, "Oh yeah, it's it's in the it's in the back. Like we do have it." And he's <laughs> like, "It's it's, it's also funny because it's like they're they have like thirty thousand. I what did he say? I think he said like thirty thousand titles, and they're all numbered. And Shatterdead's like number thirteen hundred something. Like he's <laughs> like, yeah, this is an early one we really got. <laughs> oh sweet. <laughs> and I was like." cool do i still have an account and he's like yeah oh there's twenty dollars from 18 years ago we'll get rid of that don't worry and if you want let me make sure i have like a dvd player at my mom's house to play this thing (laughs) so (laughs) damn nice cool man that's awesome fucking scooter will love knowing that you had to go to a video store to find that (laughs) 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 yeah i noticed um when I looked it up, the the, uh, the writer director Scooter McRae was also the writer director um, on what was it? Thirteen Tongues. Sixteen Tongues. Sixteen yeah. Tongues. And I've heard people mention that movie quite a bit. I, I've never seen it. I don't know anything about it, but I've heard the name like often enough. I think Kelby and David mentioned it somewhere along the lines. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think. I don't know if JDO and Kelby tracked it down and watched it yet, but I know Ryan Jackson watched it. I don't know if you you guys know Ryan. He's a writer who's in the Discord chat. He has a podcast called Mutual Aberration Society, and he covers a lot of shot on video. Okay. Uh, and he just recently dropped an episode about 16 Tongues because we were all talking about it in the, the Discord um, and yeah, I guess, you know, Scooter's movies are he can't get streaming because nobody streams porn you know um yeah and that's his deal is like he's always got some actual pornography in his film somewhere that's yes his deal um (laughs) and uh so yeah he can't get a streaming deal anywhere and and then i feel like you know probably because of that he's also not going to be in like your typical video store not that they exist anymore but um yeah i guess the only place he's going to be is in some some funky uh you know 21st century indie video store <laughs> or, or wherever the bowels of the internet wherever you found it i don't even know what that site was called but it was one of those where it's like probably not okay to use for some reason <laughs> rapeyourcomputer.com <laughs> yeah ramworms.com uh yeah like no it was it, it was a lot of pop-ups and uh and but then the blocker worked so it was fine uh and it was decent quality um cool but cool. yeah it was, it was a it was it was a surprisingly well-made movie i just a minute ago i was picturing his his like spice cabinet and there's a jar that just labeled like porn and he's like right, yeah. sprinkle sprinkle a little of that on there like, <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah um, but yeah so it starts out with a like a a a big big tittied angel lady uh having sex with another lady from behind and then and then we get like a however many months later 16 and, i think 
<clears throat> and there's zombies everywhere, but they're not zombies like you. They're would. not zombies, yeah. Um, they're they're just sort of dead and and still going and <laughs> and trying to like kind of cope with that. And they're different in some way, but they they still have emotions. Um, and this one girl just hates them. Like the main character, she she just seems to really despise them. Uh, and that's interesting to me how her 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 like hatred of them it makes it makes it kind of draws you to be like well what are they like what is it she's so mad about because they're not like trying to eat her sure they they do steal her yeah. car. they do steal her car and that's that's a really cool scene uh because it's like the car the car dies and then they revive it and he likes he claims it once it dies so it's it's like this weird like things die and then they keep going as slightly different i've seen shattered dead like 30 times i'd never thought about that scene that way you're so right you're so right the car (laughs) dies it dies and the preacher guy like claims it after it's dead yeah to me it was kind of speaking to that there was like a mirroring going on there i don't know what it was saying yeah yeah well he he also he also had to wound it like he kicked the grill in Mm. right yeah he has to like damage it first yeah, there's a this <laughs> this movie has a lot of uh, I okay. This is my favorite type of low budget movie. It's it's one of those ones that's like the ambitions is bigger than what they're capable of doing. Sure, honestly, um, and it's got a lot of like, uh, you know, it's got the typical like low budget things that are the, like too many close-ups like we're gonna do everything in <laughs> sure sure it costs it costs money and time to to set up a scene and have actors yeah. like work together yeah hell yeah yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah the, the whole the whole concept of the dead coming back but you know they don't it's almost like they're just um they're like an economic burden or something that's like a big part of it at the beginning yeah like, yeah yeah i think um i mean scooter's a punk like a an old school new york punk and i think i think perhaps i mean obviously there's a some classism commentary going on in shattered uh you know one way or another but i think maybe perhaps he's kind of he's kind of poking at like um at people's ideas of, of communism and people's ideas of you know, groups of people that you consider a, a burden on financial systems or whatever, because yeah, it seems like, like, why is she so fucking mad at these people? You know, um, it's like, yeah, she a- doesn't want to join them. She's scared of what they represent and she doesn't want to be one of them, but also she knows it's inevitable. And, uh, but why, like, what's so bad about it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. There's almost a, there's almost another, uh, it's that it's it's ties into that like angsty because it because it's it's funny like that the the main character the woman i was like there's a, she fits into this weird archetype and i'm trying to i couldn't quite frame what it is i'm like angry art girl is that it like that's pretty like close man. pretty close like, yeah like 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 you you mentioned that the the director was an old school punk as like yeah i could see her like forming a punk band yeah like, yeah. like i got to 
I got a lot of angry poetry that that this is the best way for me to express it or something. Right. So that there's a broader thing of like the the dead in this movie all represent like just how you hate hating people in general, like just wanting everybody to fucking go away and like yeah. like just hating life and and yeah. like that kind of angsty mm-hmm. angsty thing. Yeah. Did you get um like did your copy from the video store was it just the disc or did you get a look at the case or anything? No, it was just a disc. Oh uh, man. Okay, so the the tagline of Shattered Dead is God hates you. Yes. Yeah, okay, that's on the, de- <laughs> that's on the disc. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, I think it's definitely like that, right? It's just like, well, this place already fucking sucks because of all of us. And now none of us are going away ever. We're just piling up, you know? And it's yeah. like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, I did like that. I've never seen a take on zombies or the undead where they were just sort of annoying. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> and it really felt more like how it would probably be if it happened. Like, it just, yeah. What do we fucking do with them? They just won't go away. Yeah, and yeah. um, it's funny you mentioned that she he's an old school punk and she felt punk because everyone else in, in there felt like they were from like a different sort of genre. Like no one else <laughs> felt punk at all. Uh, right. No one else had the same sort of angst. They were all very different than her. Like even her boyfriend was like he was total grunge. Like all the guys were like grunge <laughs> era guys. Yeah, <laughs> like made in what ninety four or something. Uh, um, ninety two. I think ninety two. Yeah, think. that's like. That's like, yeah, the explosion days of grunge. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. They do, yeah, and it's it's almost like uh, like the main character. She's Susan, I think is her name. I think it's like she's uh she's an art school chick that came from like a normal family. Like she didn't come from money, and she feels yeah. like she had to like work hard and be fucking cool and be talented to get where she got, and then mm-hmm. like. Now all these nerds are fucking it up, you know. These <laughs> stupid dead people are fucking it up. Uh, the guy at the beginning, the dude who's like, you know, the the hobo basically, who's like asking for money, and he's like, I I signed up for like a crash test dummy job, you know, to get paid. <laughs> oh, now I'm all fucked up, man, and nobody wants to hire me because I'm all fucked up, like that's. <laughs> fucked up man what am i supposed to do man and it's like i don't know dude that's that's on you like what the fuck <laughs> there's, there's another crazy idea it's like why do they have to have jobs I don't understand. <laughs> they don't need to eat, eat? Like, yeah i guess they don't eat but man i guess the rent still ain't ain't fucking around you know you gotta pay that that's, rent. that's true yeah yeah <laughs> uh, yeah and the guy that was yeah, like that like sold my it's like i sold my arm yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Medical experimentation. That's great. Like oh. it's like, please help, dead. You know, like because yeah. normally it's like, please help, hungry. Yeah, hungry, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know if I was supposed to laugh at it or not, but I laughed a lot, like a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure a lot of it is is intentionally really, really hilarious. <laughs> I mean, the whole. There's some- yeah, go ahead. Oh god, the part where the she stops over, she like ends up out in the burbs, right? And she stays the night with those people and she stays in the room with that chick and all. 
and that crazy fucking the death squad rolls in there and <laughs> that's just hilarious but also like really grim and wild the whole time you're like what the fuck this is heinous but hilarious <laughs> they're dressed in the most absurd shit like yeah. the guy has the piano key hat and then, like awesome. one dude is like i guess he's he's like dressed like howard stern maybe <laughs> right like, yeah he looked like fart man he's like just straight yeah. up to the fucking height one <laughs> curly mullet the permed out mullet like he crazy. like fart man didn't he he really did and then he there's really, like a guy really that's did. like a giant baby with a neck brace or something just- oh shit so that dude the dude with the fucking neck brace is uh his name is well his name is not Pericles Loons but his his artist name is Pericles Loons and he's a filmmaker and he he did my second favorite shot on video horror movie ever which is called Redneck Zombies it's a trauma movie huh oh I think I think my DVD had an ad for that at the beginning sweet sweet that's awesome I love that. Yeah, he's like some weird, like giant man baby in a neck brace, and he's got like he's shooting everybody with like a twenty-five, like the tiniest of fucking guns. <laughs> it, yeah, it was real weird because it's like like the logic of this, like they're they're, they're there not, isn't no they they uh, they're coming in and like reading a decree and then shooting all of them, but they're all already dead, so it's not actually doing anything except just making them no money. no no the people in that house were all alive i were they yes I some of them were dead like we well we know some the of them girl were. we know she yes. was dead yeah but um, i think i think that the idea was that that was a refuge refuge for living people like but, and that's but the, that's why the, that the weird marshall guy brought them brought her there yeah, right. but the the other guy was the guy with the hat who stole her car, who was like the leader of the dead, like that preacher. Yeah, he was in that house though. That's why I, I thought know, like I they like, infiltrated it. I thought that because... they tricked her because I thought it was like a whole house of dead people, and they just tricked her because she never tested them with the mirror; they tested her. Yeah, no, I think I think I think it was a mix, uh. And I think because the because there's the whole weird scene where the where it's interesting that you say he does porn because that whole like I just I heard you open soap. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, all right, God bless you. As many naked women in this as possible. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all for it. That's great. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. But like her whole the whole thing with her is that like she tricked them. Right. And she's she's talking about all these. And it's actually a really interesting. It, it, it talks to the ambition of this movie and the thinking of it. Like there's this whole thing where she talks about like standing on her head to make sure the blood moves mm. and like all these tricks that she does to fool them. So I think it was mostly supposed to be living people. Mm. And that's why they burst it in and shot. I. And I think I think the thing is, is that those guys that came in were were associated with the preacher. Okay, that makes that's sense. what I think is going on. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I so kind of go ahead. I watch it. I get a different ideas about what's up in that house. Like uh, I do think it's definitely yeah. a mix of people, and I, I think it's obvious that the the girl, like, she's hiding the fact that she's dead from people, right? So I think yeah. certainly 
so certainly a fair amount of people in the house are alive and don't mm -hmm. know she's dead. Um, yeah, but then, all right, did y'all pick up this? What about the pregnant woman? That's the woman getting banged at the beginning by the angel. Correct, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's, it's also funny that they uh, the guy calls her grandma, and I'm like, she's the same age, I think, as the other one. Yeah. She has, like, one white curl or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was probably, like, the third time I watched it before I ever realized that that's the, the angel yeah chick from the beginning and i'm like oh so what the hell would that baby be if if it had right. not become a zombie like if it if she had lived to have it alive <laughs> which speaking of hilarious oh man it's oh woof. <laughs> so, so so when they burst in there, you know, they're shooting everybody and that the grandma lady which she isn't a grandma the pregnant lady's like running up the stairs and they finally i think howard stern shoots her <laughs> through the gut <laughs> it's like it blows out of her pregnant belly and then then there's a whole scene where she pulls the baby out of the womb and oh, starts nursing it <laughs> oh like, man what the fuck and it's so like like the the uh, practical effects are janky, but it's still like just so gross that it's affecting, and it's just so fucking weird. What the fuck, man? Yeah, I didn't think that scene was as funny as Kurt. I thought it was. I thought I was like, it didn't necessarily impact me as if if the like effects were better. If they had more of a budget, I would yeah. have had a really hard time with that scene. But sure, yeah, yeah. But thankfully, like they didn't. So <laughs> right. <laughs> So it, it hit me <laughs> enough to have the effect, you know, of what they were going for. But it also didn't make me vomit in my, you know, bowl of chips. Yeah, I think you just came up with like a brilliant way to to hype Scooter's work in general. Like his work as a filmmaker, it's like, thank God Scooter doesn't have a bigger budget. Because <laughs> <laughs> his shit would just be like the worst fucking shit. <laughs> Be the hardest shit to watch ever. If he had a million dollars, it would just be a nightmare, an absolute nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> what would he even do with a million dollars? What I mean, what would I wonder what choices he would make? Oh um, man, I bet it'd be exactly that. I bet he'd just have amazing practical effects. He'd... Yeah, I kind of hope everything else would be pretty much the same. The same, yeah. yeah. I think it would be. It would be his. Uh, his most recent joint is um called Saint Frankenstein. Did you get the Blu-ray of Shattered Dead? No, it's a, It's an old DVD. It's okay. Uh, okay. The the new blue version has um Saint Frankenstein on it, like as a special. It's like it's a short. It's only like twenty something minutes long, but it has Melanie Gatos in it. Do y'all know who Melanie Gatos is? If you look her up, you would recognize her face big time. She's a very striking figure. She's a model, um, and she has the same condition that Michael Berryman has. You know Michael Berryman? He's, no. he's that big motherfucker who was in a bunch of 80s movies. Like anytime you needed a giant mutant dude, you called Michael Berryman. He's, he was in The Hills Have Eyes. Oh, was he also in um, uh, what is it? what is the Tim Burton movie, Big Fish or whatever? Yeah, I think he's in Big Fish. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like very um, like twisted, distorted, kind of giant, but like 
Oh shit! No, that's that's that guy. That's the guy from Rob Zombie movies who died. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, you would know Michael Berryman if you saw him too. Oh, but, um, was he in RoboCop? <laughs> yes. Yeah, Berryman yeah. was in RoboCop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you, know, Melanie Gato says that same condition that that Berryman has. So she's a very a very striking looking woman, and she plays Frankenstein in in Scooter's new joint, and it's about like. Like Frankenstein in the modern day has um, has gotten into like transhumanism. It's not even really transgenderism. It's like beyond that. Uh, but Frankenstein realizes that they can be whatever they want to be, you know, because they can just swap out parts and they're huh. forever. And they're uh, they have built of themselves like a, a <laughs> Like a, a humanoid that is designed for fucking in a very strange way that other that normal people uh, can't pull off. And so like Frankenstein just sets up Tinder dates basically in hotels of people who want to fuck a monster. And that's St. Frankenstein. That's Scooter's new movie. And it looks like it's got some crazy effects and, and looks great. Um, yeah. We're screening that shit at Voidcon. Oh, right on, right on. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm 101 percent interested in this fucking crazy movie. <laughs> oh yeah, you gotta see it, man. I think, I think Saint Frankenstein is on Vimeo or something like that. It's okay. out there. Like it's on one of the like a, a high quality streaming site. Is he? I'm. I'm really curious. As he, if he's still making movies, is he committed to like? I gotta find old beta <laughs> camcorders. To no, like... no. Saint Saint Frankenstein's real modern and slick. Okay. Um, hmm. and uh, he just finished something. He just shot something over the summer. He like hadn't told me what it is yet, but it's. Um, I think it's a feature. I think he just shot another feature. But Damn, I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to quiz him about it because he's going to be at the con and going to hang out. So, yeah, talk to us about VoidCon. <clears throat> talk to your kids about VoidCon. <laughs> yeah, talk to your kids about VoidCon. <laughs> uh, VoidCon is uh, it's a con, right? It's a convention, um, but it's uh, it's not like a come and spend 40 bucks on a handshake and a photograph with Jeffrey Combs kind of convention it's like a we wanted it to be yeah, a collection of artists and and creators more of like a networking kind of thing but you know also a place where people who are completely outside of that people who you know are like consumers of this kind of stuff could just walk in and uh pick up stuff that you can't get anywhere else you know um mm. black market table merch commerce <laughs> and, uh, and um but you know we we needed it to have a little bit of that uh typical horror con flavor so that you get people to come in and buy tickets and, and check out what's going on so we're screening movies and we have writers who are doing readings and we will have you know tables full of books and, and magazines and weird underground cult shit you can't get Elsewhere, we've got um, visual artists and a, a video artist that's coming in and doing an installation. We've got uh, we're doing an after party with bands, you know, and it's a whole spectrum of weird 
shit, no, no normie shit. So we got a black metal band and a ritual noise band and like a, a dark cinematic synth wave thing. Huh. And, uh, and then we do have one normal band, one like just Coke rock band, just like a, <laughs> just like a nineties cocaine rock band that's playing because <laughs> they're going to the get sacrificed later. That's what happened. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> In the movie version. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's just like a kind of a we're trying to take the the horror con thing and do like a counterculture thing with that idea, and it's all shot out with occultism and, and practitioners and shit. So where's it, where's it happening? Amazing. Huntington, West Virginia. Huntington, West Virginia. Okay, which is I say, every time I say that I'm like, yep, Huntington, West Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> when is it? October thirteenth and fourteenth. Uh, this year that's a friday and a saturday all right that's... downtown at the hilton double tree whole thing is right there contained in the hotel except for the after party which is like two blocks away but... that sounds absolutely amazing that's quite a feat to put all that together i honestly i i don't want this to happen anywhere else other than huntington <laughs> 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 yeah yeah well so we were gonna have it in ashland kentucky where my publishing partner is at and where are we have like a brick and mortar bookstore there uh, or he oh, does wow. um but um we kind of we got like quiet small town politics shut us down there <laughs> they um <laughs> They like would rather have this local beer fest that came in and asked them after us, and so they like came up with some excuses and mm. and like, got our hotel like grabbed out from under us, even though we had everything booked up. Um, but uh, moving to Huntington was good because it's a real city, and there you know mm. there are a lot more people there, and we're gonna have more traffic, so it's gonna be cool. Yeah, and all the homies who were flying in, we're gonna fly into Huntington anyway, and we were asking them to then get in a half an hour away to this other place. So, you know, so everything's like easier for travel, and it all worked out. Yeah, that's not. I mean, I don't, I don't think it would matter where it is really. <laughs> it's just it sounds great. It's a great idea. Yeah, hopefully, uh, folks show up. You know, um, we'll see how it goes. It's like I've. I've been stressing about it for like the past month because it's as it's getting closer and closer to the, the event, I'm like online ticket sales aren't selling like I want them to. Mm -hmm. And not that it's about that, right? Like the, the thing has managed to mostly pay for itself. And so that's, you know, not like the big concern, but um, also I just want people to, to be there, you know, like, like strangers, yeah. you don't want just the motherfuckers you invited to come and set up a table to be there. <laughs> but you know i like express these concerns to all the the people that we invited to be there for a table and everybody's like a first year cons always like that like mm -hmm. even like cons that are legends now the first year it was just like the tables and everybody has a good time and everybody you know parties and takes photos and you don't uh, you pretend that there were people there <laughs> you like don't talk about the fact that it was just you and the homies um and then you know people get uh people want to be there next year and it becomes something bigger whatever so anyway i've been convinced from from the homies that if it just ends up that it's still going to be a good time so i'm kind of like yeah. stress-free at this point just you know going to go into it and see what happens hell yeah and, and and you can look forward to the the people in 10 years that are just going to be like, I remember 
Yeah. I preferred it when it was just us. <laughs> Yeah. And we sacrificed that one Coke band. That was the yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think a first year fest or a convention of any kind, if you didn't lose money, you succeeded. Sure. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. 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 If people had a good time and you didn't lose money, then that means like you're doing fucking great. <laughs> right on. Yeah. We're pretty much there now. So, well, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, it came about because um, me and some writer pals did a we did like a, a tour, a book tour last year that was the the idea was to turn make a book tour feel like a metal tour. So instead of it being five or six bands on, in a couple of bands, it was five or six dudes in one band with a bunch of books. And we did readings and set up a table and sold sold books. Oh, that's and awesome. when it came time to do that this year and plan it two of us were like abysmally broke one of those two people was me and i'm like what if we like turn this into one weekend somewhere and we try and get people to come to us um and uh and then one of the homies was like you mean like a con and i was like well no but yeah right we can do that shit what do you do like rent a fucking you rent the ballroom at a hotel somewhere and start inviting people is it that hard really you know and it's not it's really not hard <laughs> yeah and yeah so that's what we did yeah that's, that's so awesome that's bad i also love the idea of doing the the, the van tour with readings like that's that's really fucking cool too uh, yeah, it was fun and we'll go back to that you know we're we're gonna do an, another one of those at least but did, did you guys take at least one massively heavy amp with you just to make it feel authentic like <laughs> no we took a tiny a tiny little pa thing yeah just like lean lean a bass that nobody plays up against it right yeah well but i'll tell you like the totes full of fucking books that we had weighed as much as a cab for sure Oh, oh man, yeah. no, actually, those are probably heavier. Yeah, <laughs> it's fuck. Yeah. Especially if it's good paper. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. So, uh, what kind of uh, so what do you what do you write? You're an author. I've not read your stuff. Sure. Uh, we kind of just met. Not that mostly long. mostly horror. I like occasionally veer off into uh, fantasy. But it and it's like rare that and most of my fantasy is like horror fantasy. Um, I, I mostly write horror, mm. so and, and mostly southern stuff. Like I'm from the deep south, and that's um, you know I guess it's not super popular to be like uh, into where you're from anymore. But I am like I, I love the south, man, and I, I never want to live anywhere else for long. <laughs> um, <laughs> And um, I, I love the people here. I love the vibe here. And so most of my stuff is is super Southern in some way or another, you know. And uh, like in particular, I grew up I grew up in a town that's predominantly black. And most of my homies when I was a little kid and until I was like 10 or 12 years old, like most of my friends were my friends from school and they were all black, you know. And, and that's kind of like, that's just been my view on fiction growing up. Like I was like, way into horror and fantasy when I was a little kid, but nobody was black, you know, when I was little mm -hmm. in, in these movies or in these stories, no, not in the stuff that I was finding through the mainstream. 
Um, yeah. And so I've just always wanted to to see that and to read that. And so that's what I do with my shit. You know, I just, I write like the people that are around me and that I grew up with. And, that's awesome. Um, and, you know, I'm an occult practitioner weirdo. So all my stuff is shot out with like my practice. All my stuff is poisoned with my ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Word. Yeah, I think that's really a... Uh... I think that's one of my favorite things about like the sort of uh indie lit community that i've been exposed to is like a lot of these people are 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 practitioners or either uh they're at least open and interested to the yeah. stuff so there's uh there's like uh the yes and attitude a lot and um and i think that you know in, in like occult communities and magic communities people talk a lot about how like story is magic and how ritual is theater and and these things are true but um it's interesting that it's it's more interesting to me to see these uh like creative people putting like merging the two and like you said like <clears throat> poisoning or blessing it with your you know your own <laughs> personal like sort of perspective and and modality and yeah. uh and i think when when you're you're good at telling a story like a lot of these ideas that may just kind of sit there otherwise and like be what they are, like you, you feel more of a license to like expound upon them and like participate in that co-creation. Like when you just know how to sit down and tell a story, you can have like a, an experience happen and then you can maybe translate some of that into like having someone else have that experience too, or <clears throat> like it all, it all works together in really neat ways. Yeah, absolutely. Um, are y'all into Grant Morrison at all? Yeah, I, I think yeah, Kurt would be. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm more of an uh, Alan Moore fan, but I do like Grant Morrison. It's Word. funny. I kind of like Grant Morrison more for what he talks about than sometimes even his work that he makes. Oh, but, sure. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, but, yeah. Uh, you. Sure. Then you're aware of. I mean, more rolls the same way, right? Like some of his work is essentially a grand ritual or a grand sigil yeah. that's being presented to you to work your way through, you know? And yeah, I think that's exactly what you're talking about, Riff. Like um, that that uh, that ability or, or that want or need as a storyteller to, to turn that into that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and I think it's uh, Grant that says somewhere that... Um, you know, if, if your if your story affects you, right? Like if when you're writing it, it makes you afraid or, or makes you sad, then that will translate to, mm -hmm. to most yeah. readers anyway. Um, you know, some won't get it, but but that translation will come through loud and clear for some people, as long as it's true for you in the first place, you know. And and yeah, that's certainly how it works for me. Like a, as a horror dude, like that's all I'm trying to do is affect people, right? Like I said, I don't quite understand non-genre writers. I don't know, non-genre writers are still trying to affect you. They still want to make you, they still want to move you in some kind of way. Um, but for me, like I kind of want that, I want to affect people on like a more dramatic scale. I guess maybe I'm drunk. Yeah. Like, I just want to, I really want to make you feel bad. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you want a visceral reaction, not yeah. like, not an intellectual one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A, a real, a real feeling, you know, 
something yeah. right down in you. And because I think that's important, I think it's really important to um, to engage with things that, that make you feel bad. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, I have a I, I feel like um, it, it's funny. You sometimes meet people who, who are like uh, they have sort of a, an idea that you shouldn't engage with that stuff because somehow it's going to like pollute you in a weird way or something. Yeah. Whereas I've, I've always had the feeling that really good horror or just difficult stories act as a container. Like, like you can put those feelings there, right? Like you can get them outgassed and expressed and then you don't have to be burdened by them and they can kind of live in, in those, those stories that the people have made. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's, um, it's a, it's, I liken it to like, you know, fight training, right. It's like getting, um, getting on the mat with somebody to spar. That's, that's like engaging with a good piece of, of horror fiction to me, mm. you know, like mm. nice as a little contained space to engage with something. And I don't know, people think it's corny or whatever to, to call fiction dangerous or whatever, but some ideas are fucking dangerous. And and danger doesn't, uh, I think of that in a sort of a broader sense than some people, right? Like, uh, to me, say you're like a, uh, say you're some conservative clown, you know, some somebody who's just like, uh, who's terrified by two dudes' uh, lips touching each other's lips, you know what I mean? Like, just just terrified by the idea of uh queers and you um you read a book or or see a movie that just takes a gay male relationship seriously and and presents a story to you that you find interesting and engaging and it just happened to be about two dudes who occasionally kiss each other and then that that's dangerous ideology to a person like that you know what I mean? That's that's threatening your mental status quo, and that's danger. It's like, but ultimately, I feel like healthy danger because you you need your walls torn down. All of us. It doesn't matter what your what your ideas are. Like you need to be torn down from time to time. Um, and I, so I think like uh, it's okay for me to like I, I'm fine calling stuff dangerous, like fiction ideas. <laughs> And I think what, uh, that it's a nice contained space to to engage with that danger. What it's often like that, like the example you're giving, that that also is sometimes the only way people will understand what they consider the other. Uh, oh, absolutely, yeah. Like if it's done well, like yeah. if it's done well, and it like that's 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 another powerful thing about storytelling is that it allows you to empathize with people and and actually in a weird way like step in and live someone's life that is completely alien and foreign to you right and and that's uh it's a really powerful thing it is um, yeah and i kind of take like a um i maybe when i was younger i used to focus on the end game right when i was younger i was sort of maybe more punk about it and was like i hope people think better or whatever um <laughs> But uh, I, I feel like, you know, I, I grew up or, or whatever. Um, nowadays, I'm more, you know, black metal about it. I'm more antagonistic. Like, I'm just, I focus on attacking your walls. I don't care what you do with that. 
if you end up like better or coming to a better idea, that's awesome. But I, I'm just there to fuck it up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that shit's not my responsibility. And I can't be thinking about that. And I can't let that like weight be on me, you know, thinking about the end game. It's not about that for me. I just got like, I'm just like firing at your bunker. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. It's, it's a, it's a necessary uh, force in the world. And it's one that is uh, more and more difficult of a position to take, you know, as time goes on, like it's, it's less and less invited. Uh, It used to be people craved that kind of thing from art. It's why we went to art, but culture as a whole seems to be moving in a, much more padded idiot proof child proof direction um, right yeah yeah it does you know and um that's the thing perhaps like indie lit is him you know might prove to be a decent avenue in the future I mean, right now it's like the worst if you think film you know you think like hollywood and, and mainstream entertainment is padded man like in- indie horror on paper is worse and that doesn't seem to make any sense but it is because everybody in the indie scene is walking on eggshells right everything works on who you know and whose ass you kissed and who you've written a blurb for or whatever and so nobody wants to piss anybody off and so everybody's shit is super toothless and it's Mm -hmm. just like it's nothing you know and um it uh you that but that builds like that kind of thing always bubbles and pops right like people get tired of that and then there'll be a crowd of people who push back and then there'll be like some superstars amongst like the new extreme people or whatever and then you know it'll come back um it always happens it comes and goes like that you know like the sort of to take hollywood for an example like scream and and that sort of like teenage sleaze horror of the late nineties gave way to all the like super safe, shiny white folks in giant houses movies they made in the early two thousands. And then like, and then what got popular here after that as a pushback, we weren't making them here really, but uh, the French, like new French extremity horror movies came out stuff like martyrs and high tension and, hmm like real nasty mean fucking movies got real popular and then stuff here got nasty and mean again then we got like rob zombie and uh the fella who makes the hatchet movies is that adam green or whatever um who did x and pearl and all that stuff anyway like there's that's how it goes there's like a, a push and pull and stuff like that and hopefully we're headed towards the the pushback because yeah in indie horror lit it's been so bad so bad that's really interesting yeah i didn't think about the the idea that uh the all the people in the indie world like a lot of them might be trying to get out of the indie world too like Uh yeah not actually really committed to it like they're they're just they're like well i'm indie because i haven't made it yet and if i piss someone off then that's gonna keep me from making it exactly yeah everybody like yeah yeah they like they want the big five deal so they can sell something to netflix and quit their day job and all that shit i mean and i want that too you know damn (laughs) everybody like i want the money um 
but uh they'll also like simultaneously sit around and, and pretend like their their scene or whatever is something that like it matters to them but it's it's not it's just this weird like larp of a minor league that everybody you know is is stuck in it's a bummer <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm curious how toothless this heart is it is it like just is it like stories about people losing their phones and that's oh uh, <laughs> man it um uh it, it's just basically basically what go in in what i see in indie horror right now is like it's no different from anything you'll see in any horror movie or or any like stephen king joint it's just like it's just horror it's just your basic horror concepts right but then um but like because you're indie and because you tack an identity gimmick on it, you know, because you're like, okay, this is a, this is a black story. This is a gay story. It's a trans story, whatever your like current trendy gimmick is. Then people like assume that it's somehow like harder and like, Oh, you're going hard, you know, because it's that or whatever. Uh -huh. and people come to it because of the identity gimmick. And then they, they like, they LARP this weird sort of punk feel on everything and they act like everything is somehow like going further than you see everywhere else. But, but it's not, it's the same, it's the same, you know, like mm. Stephen King still goes just as hard as you. It's not, you know, nothing, <laughs> you're not like shocking anybody or anything, but it's just these weird, these weird circles, you know, and you get people like, um, and it's not just the the identity gimmick shit. It's this it's the handshake process where everybody's like, uh, you've made friends with somebody on Twitter, right? Because um, you're new to Twitter and they've already got like two thousand followers and they're plugged into this writer circle and they're doing well. And then they treat you friendly through the internet. You become like internet buds. And then like they announce a new book. They're like, here's my new book cover coming out in april and then you'll get that person who's never met them in real life never shared the space of a fucking coffee or a beer or a joint with these people like nothing all they know is this like this tenuous sort of like handshake handshake internet relationship and they'll like they're like hey so-and-so's book's gonna be out in april you know it's gonna be a fucking banger like you know it's gonna be fucking good and it's like do i <laughs> why do i know it's gonna why do you know it's gonna be good man like you um because the, a lot of these folks don't have any work out there for you to go see so it's not like you've read stuff that you yeah. can you know that you know the shit's gonna be good it's just this weird lark you know um and it all like uh because it's all built on like you gotta be nice and you can't call out the books that suck you know, because a lot of books jump off big time in indie and they're terrible, terrible. Uh -huh. like you see these books selling thousands and thousands of copies and everybody's talking about them every day and they are fucking terrible. And you're like, and you know, everybody's full of shit, you know, it's like, because there's no way, there's no way everybody out there thinks that book is good, man, because I read it and it's really, really not good. Real not good. <laughs> you know um there's no way that many people think it's good it's just you you like jump on the hype train you know i gotta be nice so that they'll jump on my train when i put out my announcement later on and that just keeps everything sort of neutered it keeps everything strangely like soft you know mm. um, yeah 
and the, kind, the people. I kind of felt that way about a music scene that I used to be a big part of, but like after a while, I think it finally clicked to me that like I, th- I think all those people really do like shitty music sometimes. Like <laughs> I think <laughs> I think really it's it's uh. just, it's just a difference of of uh like like eating solid foods uh or or eating baby food like i just think that there's some things that are like on a level where some and and not to say that that is i mean my feeling is that sometimes that is just a less evolved sense of art uh a less cultivated one but but also that and that's fine like whatever people like is what they like but when you can tell that people are being disingenuous, like like maybe they don't they don't even know if they liked it or not because they only read it in the first place because six of their friends did, and and the whole motivation between behind like ninety percent of what all people do is like some kind of validation. So sure. Yeah. So then it gets like it gets really weird looking at like how much is uh like. Because the the way you just described it sounds like the indie world like is uh, almost mirroring what happens at like corporate, like the way you have to pretend to like everyone at a corporate coffee shop when you work there yeah, uh, and you can't say anything bad or whatever. It's like this weird, this thing I associate with like more corporate stuff being dragged down into what should be like a free, a, a more freedom sort of feeling in an indie yeah. scene. But yeah. then I I wonder if it if it's if it's that if we're if it's like a copying because you don't know like a, what else how else to be, or if that's just how fucking people are, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I I, I would say it's probably a little bit of both. You know. Um. Mm-hmm. I think you know, like you said, a lot of folks are just kind of like simple, head down, doing what they do, doing what people do every day. You know, and um. And so you're going to copy what you see, what we've built as like the average uh, Western workflow design, right? You're just going to, that, that's, these are the things you do to succeed. You, you join the workplace, you're nice to people, you climb the ladder, whatever. Yeah. That's how you do it. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it, and especially I'm with you in, in places you know, and that's creatively, those are all the like places I occupy as a, as an artist or, or entertainer is, um, you know, cause I'm in a band uh, or a couple of bands and I'm in a, like a ritual noise band and a black metal band. Right. And these are both like grimy corners of, of counterculture kind of art, but even those spaces are like gentrified with these ideas, you know, that you had to play nice and, um follow some kind of rules or something and it's like no man this is this is the no rules party why are you coming over to the no rules party and trying to be a cop about shit it's weird it's Mm. almost like no rules genres in some cases too yeah 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 it's like the very foundation of it is like this is a shattering of of constraints what (laughs) right right i mean i'd say like this weird conversation that happens pretty regularly in horror writer social media based circles is this idea like this the conversation will come up every six months at least right and and like more with 
every passing year. It's like how you you know the no sex in sex scenes in movies conversation. How mm. it, it used to be like once a year, and then it was like once every six months, and now it's like the Zoomers are bringing it up every weekend. Every every time the like Zoomers open up Netflix and see a titty, and they're like, "What the fuck?" and they get <laughs> and freak out. And it's like, "Yo, chill out, kid." But the this um does horror have to be horrific conversation with more and more regularity and i know that's crazy to say that right but like people will argue with you other other writers cats who make their living writing horror will argue with you about like uh does it have to be scary does it have to be disturbing to be horror or whatever i'm like man it's this is super simple it's called horror if you didn't sit down with the intent to horrify how is it horror and i know you can mix it with things and and then especially in a long form piece of work nothing is just like horror every moment for 90 minutes or for 300 pages or whatever that ain't how things work right there's dynamic there's gonna be funny moments and and neutral moments or whatever but like if your overall intent isn't to horrify how is it horror <laughs> cats will argue with you they really will <laughs> it's crazy is it there's do they do they know there's other genres <laughs> i sh- yeah man and that's, the, like, that's you can you can pick other things right <laughs> i was just wondering what it would even be called like okay so what is it when you have uh something that's full of monsters but they're not scary and i'm like that's the muppets or like right <laughs> like a yeah. kid's show is what yeah. we're talking about here yeah, yeah. I call it fun time in foggy cemeteries is what I call that. Show. <laughs> it's yeah. Scooby-Doo. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, shit, even Scooby-Doo's creepy. Um, but, uh, I yeah, they, they'll argue with you, you know. And uh, it always, like, a lot of times what kicks it off is somebody will be like, well, is it really hard if it has a happy ending? And somebody will go, well, if, if the story left you feeling happy, I would argue that overall, no, it wasn't a horror story. And then, like, the conversation gets going, and it's like, essentially what y'all are arguing about is, like, does it have to be horrific? And it's all right there in the title, baby. Like, why, why are you coming down to the scary party <laughs> trying to insist that we not be scared? What's going on? It's weird. It's like, uh, you know the gentrification of all these art spaces, all these corners of art and entertainment that are where everybody wants to show up and insist it be something else. It's like, well, just go to the other party, go to the party where things don't have, aren't supposed to be scary. Yeah. It was also yeah. the, that shape of that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Kurt. No, no, no. I didn't have anything to, to oh. say. Other than <laughs> it's just like, this is the most baffling thing I think I've ever fucking heard. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's bad, man. It's bad. Um, the shape of what you were saying earlier, like uh, about it being a container and all that. I was also thinking, uh, it, it rang a bell for me. There's this, I forget what it might have been Native American. I don't remember where I, where I heard it or what the context was. But there's this, like, uh, if someone was had something, some sickness, and they couldn't like get rid of it on their own, then or or something was infected, they they would take. I think it was. Oh, it must have been an. I think it was like in a uh, Eastern context and they would take black sesame seeds and like rub them on the spot that was uh, wounded or sick or whatever. Like if someone was sick to their stomach, you rub it on their stomach 
and then go feed it to either cows or black birds, carrion birds. Um, huh? With the idea that cows have many stomachs and carrion birds eat the dead. So they're both really good at processing things and digesting. Uh-huh. So it's uh-huh. like you're actually transferring your sickness into this thing and asking it to be processed by someone else. So like if you have like things arise in you that are like, I actually don't want this, but like, I don't know what to do with it. And you put it in a story and it goes out to a couple hundred people yeah, and they all have their own feelings about it and resolutions and whatever. Like it's almost the same shape. Yeah. 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 That's interesting, man. That makes me think of, um, like I'm always shit talking the the trauma processing style of, of horror writing. Um, a lot of a lot of people are into that too. They're like, well, this this story was this is me processing my trauma, and I, I hope it helps you process your trauma. You know, and uh, my sort of like brand as a, a writer is that like I'm not interested in that. I want to heap trauma upon you. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't give a shit about helping you process your trauma, but thinking about like um, the writer as processing something in that way, the way you just described it, I'm like, Oh, that makes total sense to me. And then that's also not, it's not you dumping it on somebody else. It's, it's just you, you know, you processing it for yourself. You helping uh, you sort of using this like system, this chain system to dissipate that energy, you know? Um, I yeah. like that's really interesting, man. I mean, and, and in my experience, most of the, the horrible thoughts we have, like, genuinely aren't even ours. They're actually from either the unrestful dead or a, a spirit that's fucking with you or whatever. Like, it's usually if someone's having dark thoughts, it's it's something that's tuned into them or vice versa. Okay. Um, like, that's that's my experience. And so in that case, there is sort of this, like, there's a beauty to that because you're... You, in a universal sense, those thoughts are coming from somewhere. It's like a wound in the world. Uh, They just happen to be coming through you as the radio. And so you, you would not you, but you know, the, the Royal you um, like then send that out. And then other minds and hearts are like taking that in and doing things with it. So it's like the world itself as this organism, like processing its own trauma. uh, And you just like end up being the conduit in that sense right yeah yeah that's interesting man that that is uh that is some some serious food for thought to chew on for me um because yeah like i said i'm always shit talking that that mentality about and i still will right so here's let me let me toss my angle at you and and perhaps you can help me um think through this so my idea is that like if you if you watch a horror movie read a horror book read a horror story whatever and and for you that was therapy you know like you you had some heavy shit to deal with and you went into it like that and uh um that seems unhealthy to me right like that seems like you bring in a problem into a situation that wasn't necessarily there and didn't have to be there uh maybe the maybe there was trauma for the creator and that's being like sent out and you're helping to like dissolve that. But then like, if you bring your own into it, I, to me, that doesn't seem, <laughs> but I, I am like, I got a problem with stoicism, right? I got, <laughs> I have, uh, um, 
uh, certain aspects of stoicism hold me back in life. I feel like, right. Like, I feel like I should, um, should be more open to this idea of people using fiction as their, uh, their process for their own trauma but to me i'm sitting back and i'm going like get a fucking job (laughs) (laughs) well from what you said before like it sounds like there's a lot of personal experience that has led you or shaped you in a way that like you there's a need to push back against some forces you know that act upon like things that care you care about so uh i mean it just makes sense like i think we just we end up kind of being what what the universe is asking of us in a way and that like maybe that pushback is something you you know that's right right now um but also like like i'm i'm totally with you like that people should be using fiction to process their trauma but they should classify it as like self-help fiction or something you know rather than it's not horror like if that's what you're doing i i I mean and like kurt said some people might see or or i don't know if kurt actually said this but like some people might see something or read something that's horror and they might be like relieved that someone else had such a dark thought and that they're actually a pretty cool person too yeah like that they're okay and they had these dark thoughts like that is therapy but you don't have to take the you know you don't have to neuter it you're yeah sure yeah that yeah that's a good way of putting it right like um yeah, I don't. You shouldn't approach like every. It seems unhealthy to me to approach every single piece of art or entertainment, every single piece of fiction as some sort of like therapy. That seems unhealthy. And then also, um, if you come out of it happy uh, or, or feeling better, then arguably, to me, it's not horror, right? Um, but uh but also you know like there's a a part of that that's me talking my out of my ass because i do i you know i get catharsis out of feeling bad Mm. um Mm -hmm. you know i don't like i'm not i don't feel bad forever when i watch uh, a terrible down movie or or read a a, a kicking the nuts kind of horror story you know you do get something out of that uh ultimately positively you know and i'm generally a happy dude i don't um really have like i don't struggle with depression or, or anything like that like i'm generally a, a happy sort of stable dude and so you know i guess i you know i can't i can't argue with that also i would never naysay anybody's like the way you enjoy anything yeah. you know what I mean? like it, it might not be i think a lot of my bullshit with this comes like as a writer i think about it as like well i intended this thing man yeah. that's not like how you are engaging with it that kind of annoys me but also you engaged with it and that's that means everything to me yeah yeah however you want to do it is is great you know whatever you get out of it is is great um but i uh, think yeah it's, i think it's a it's, success oh sorry go ahead no i was gonna say it's almost it's interesting because it's almost impossible to really fully, no matter how good you communicate or how good, how well you might write, people will still find things in it that you didn't intend. Right. And sometimes that's that's actually great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, all your best laid plans. You know, once it lands in the world, then it it's like it's it's got a life of its own. Then and people are gonna do whatever with it. But. Um, yeah. But if more people 
get what you intended out of it than not like that's hugely successful i think just if people engage with something at all it's successful yeah Um, yeah agreed because there's there's the whole like it's art but it's also like potentially a source of income and better to have your name on people's tongues than not and better uh because then you know, with enough money, you can just do whatever the fuck you want anyway. And who cares if anyone gets it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. And if you're, you know, if you're super creative and, and savvy and don't, uh, if your ideas aren't like Hollywood ideas, all you really need is like one or two fat entertainment checks from the suits and then you're free. Like, yeah. then, you can, then you can roll your own ideas into a little sustainable profitable things and and stay outside of the system you know yeah for sure that's the dream man that is the dream (laughs) just want that one netflix check man just gotta (laughs) you gotta spend like one year of your life on the internet going this show looks really good (laughs) it's gonna be good guys check it out (laughs) you know know it's gonna be good it's the first show ever but you know it's gonna be good yeah you have to i think you have to throw things in there like it has a really great sex scene with a gun yeah 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 she's gonna she's gonna blow it yeah oh yeah and then you know once you cash that check then you can yeah you can be honest about how you thought it really sucked (laughs) (laughs) Uh, now the best case scenario is they buy your idea and then they don't ever make it that's Mm. that's the that's the real dream providing you aren't just then you know bitter that that idea never gets to see the light of day because they own it and you can't do anything with it i see but all of like all big options come back you know they've all got like a a expiration date on them oh okay yeah i don't know how any of this shit works it's weird. It's like you would think, you know, because especially Hollywood, their whole deal is take control of stuff and keep it forever. But they that's like built into the the ground of entertainment law is that the film options always have an expiration date. It's, oh. it's so they can fuck each other out of the rights to stuff. It's so that like nobody can hold anything for more than seven years without like paying out of their ass. And it's why like there's been like a like a, a cold war in Hollywood over Spider-Man for like 30 years. Oh, <laughs> it's like the, the rights just like keep getting held. And every single time the, it rolls back around to like, Oh, it's going to go back to bid now. Like no Fox or Sony does everything they can on like a fucking espionage level to hold Spider-Man because it's the most profitable shit on planet earth. <laughs> Um, somebody should write that that could be a rad like spy movie about the people who literally like murder people over the rights to (laughs) spider-man i think that'd be great i I can't i yeah just just now occurring to me to be honest i was like yeah oh yeah spider-man's never any of the he's not any any of those shitty marvel movies that's why yeah they got a rap on that shit dude that's really the whole shit uh, JDO is talking about with fucking Hannibal, how like the yeah. rights for Hannibal uh, and and Silence of the Lambs are all split up, so it was costing them like 
unbelievable amounts of money per episode starting in like season two i think yeah yeah it's real weird man it's like um like here's the thing you know uh universal studios in florida the the theme park yeah they've got that marvel islands of adventure thing right that's because universal studios bought the rights to theme parkify marvel shit in the mid 90s when marvel was bankrupt like marvel literally had filed for bankruptcy in the 90s they were dying and universal studios came in and was like here's a fucking uh Wait, no, I, I'm, I'm telling this wrong. It's Disney, right? It's the Disney Islands of it. No, it is Universal. Okay, I got my, I got my story right. Um, they, they hit them with like a massive chunk of money in the late 90s. It was like, well, it won't seem like much now, but it was like, you know, some millions, you know, the 20, 20 million or something like that, which seems like peanuts now. But uh, they got like in perpetuity the rights to theme parkify Marvel. So then fast forward 25 years and Disney has pulled Marvel out of the gutter with these movies and Marvel fucking owns planet earth right now, you know, in terms of entertainment, like everybody's kids are fucking mainlining that Marvel Disney shit. And, but universal, the other studio, which is now owned by Warner brothers, which is like their direct rival, you know, Warner brothers is DC movies and shit. They own the Marvel Islands of Adventure and Disney can't do shit about it. And Disney's like right across town at Disney World or whatever, <laughs> like can't do anything about the like the Marvel Islands of Adventure that are right over there, you know. And I like I would like to imagine that people get murdered about that too. Like <laughs> I was gonna say that'd be a cool that would be a cool novel about like like the nerd like incel psychos that work at both places who are really into it yeah and, they're like, and how they're like they, they get wars. together and have fucking gang wars but they're like yes. like yes. blue collar like goofy head wearing nerds yes yes i mean i'm but from florida also, i'm from florida some... so this seems really realistic to oh, me shit, really like, okay. that yeah. could happen <laughs> there, there's there's probably some legal stipulation too that all the assassination all the all the assassins have to wear like superhero costumes while they're killing other people. Like, oh God, yes. <laughs> like, like it doesn't count otherwise or something. Yeah, well, yeah. They have like a, a you know, a, a what's it called? Uh, the fucking um, I almost said Bretton Woods. I'm like, no, that's not it. The the fucking thing where all the the people got caught with the owl thing. The the suits oh, doing the um... sack doing the rituals. Uh, bohemian grove yeah so like bohemian grove but like they have like that kind of style like initiation but they're all wearing like their day suits like yeah (laughs) instead of hoods and stuff that'd be great (laughs) fucking great (laughs) do y'all know anything about uh escape from tomorrow no the the like gorilla horror movie that got shot inside disney world oh no Oh yeah, oh, I remember, I remember I, that was making the rounds. I never, I never got around to seeing it though. Oh man, yeah. So it's like, dude shot it, you know, secretly. So he just walked around and, and you know pretended he wasn't shooting a movie. He probably did it on his phone. Um, but uh, the story is, it's like, it's like you're you're watching this sort of. It's so grimy video that it almost comes off like found footage, but it's it's not real. It's not a found footage movie. 
um, but you're you're following this guy and his family there at Disney World, right? But dad throughout the course of the movie really increasingly seems to perhaps be unhealthily preoccupied with the other children hmm. Hmm. at Disney world. And the whole, it just gets more and more and more nightmarish, but it's, it's subtle. It's not like it doesn't beat you over the head with anything, but it's like, it's unnerving, man. It's a real, I, it's highly recommended. <laughs> <laughs> was, was the, was the budget uh, like, tens of millions of dollars just for the fucking tickets to get into Disney World. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, no, I mean, they just basically did it for nothing for whatever it cost them to get into Disney a few times and shoot some stuff, you know, and I'm sure a lot of it is shot elsewhere. Like the, yeah. maybe all the hotel stuff is not like on Disney property or whatever. But the crazy thing is that like Disney's approach to that movie is to pretend like it doesn't exist. Like they don't know about it. Uh, because somebody who fucking works for them is smart, man. Like they know if you touch this at all, at all, you're just, that's another thousand people that are going to go watch it. You know, yeah. another 10,000, like you'll turn it into the biggest fucking thing if you even poke at it at all. So they're just like pretending like it's not out there. <laughs> that's it's really wild. funny. Yeah. That, re- that reminds me of that. There's a much sillier <laughs> version of that, of that, which was this, it was this like, comedy uh uh sketch show that was that was shot uh in ikeas like because ikea has ikeas have all those like mock rooms that they put together so these this like comedy troupe went in and and they they would film a like a a drama basically like a really like soap opera drama and and every episode ends with some ikea employees showing up and be like you guys have to go <laughs> <laughs> okay. i think it was um some fucking like vice article you know back when vice was readable and and kind of interesting um i think it was somebody who works for vice that was like i'm gonna see how long i can stay in an ikea <laughs> <laughs> and um and dude managed to stay in there for like 70 something hours before they got rid of him <laughs> oh my god he was he was in there for like three whole days or something just like sleeping on couches that were in there and and mock rooms and eating the food from the buffet and shit it's just like i was gonna say that's like a lot of 50 cent hot dogs there's oh. a there was there was a great little back back when there were like web rings and uh, i used to i used to go into like urban exploration web rings oh yeah you find some crazy shit like people like going into old missile silos and stuff but there was one that was like it was basically like a guy had found like some weird in-between crawl space and basically lived in a mall for a, a couple months maybe oh shit and he was just like kind of pilfer stuff from around the mall and sort of survived awesome. in this little space. That's awesome, man. Hunter gatherer shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 21st century hunter gatherer. <laughs> I was thinking that's funny. It's it's not surprising Disney just ignores that movie because it's like it's exactly the same thing they do when someone dies on a ride. They like oh, yeah. they like sure. pretend they're not dead until they're off the property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, if you like 
think you have anything to say, they point you to the fine print on the ticket that you purchased, which says, like, if you die here, nobody gives a fuck and nobody, nothing's ever going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, fuck, I did agree to that. Fuck. My wife and Wait. I were just talking the other day about how it's like, like, uh, fair rides or like things with like cables that can snap. It's like, it's just not ever fucking worth it. You know, <laughs> you get paid. Like, it, I'd rather, I'd rather, like, Russian roulette, you got like a, oh, just yeah. as good of a chance, probably. <laughs> is, is there, is there, is there some, is there some way that's waiting to happen where you could legally get away with murdering someone on a Disneyland property? <laughs> oh, fuck. Speaking of story ideas, damn. Yeah, man. Ooh, yeah. That's because you wow. know they'd cover it up for you. Oh, <laughs> shit. Oh, shit. That is good. Like somebody finally realizes like this, this one person is there when all these other people die in Disney. Like, why is that person always there? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. Get you killed at Disney and they're gonna clean it up for you. The goofy with the torn left collar. Wow, yeah, yeah. It's you like... it so much like they know you. And it's like they know you and they're kind of scared of you, but they know they gotta clean up after you. They can't, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, it's gotta be a manager. Oh, okay, sure. So yeah. it's the employees that are figuring it out. And they're like, they can't say shit because they'll lose their jobs. Like, right, right. Oh, oh, maybe it's maybe it's a really high level exec that like every 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 now and then he just goes out in the Mickey Mouse suit and finds oh, someone to take right. out. Right, yeah, and just blur all the lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever's like on the outside of this trying to figure out, it's just gonna be such a like a web of like <laughs> Who's this guy? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I that like he's an employee, but no, he owns the place. He just goes out. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Netflix, get at us! Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> Hit me up. Yeah, we got ideas. Bro. Smash that subscribe button. <laughs> yeah. <buddy. laughs> Oh, a rat scan or something like the guy's got. <laughs> oh man, you know what's crazy is that like if you get in the right room of entertainment goons, that really is how it works. Somebody's just like, "You got ideas," and you're like, "Yeah, uh, uh, somebody's killing people at Disney, and uh, he's the boss, <laughs> and he's in the goofy suit," and they're like, "Holy fuck, kid, you're a genius! Here's the fucking fifty thousand dollars. Go write it." You're like, "All right." I mean, get up off of my chair and pull the money out from under it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <That was> great. <laughs> uh, um, do you, uh, how, how long do you guys normally go here? I think some, some of y'all's episodes are pretty long. Right? Whatever, uh, whatever. I, I, I got like another 40 minutes tops, but I got another 40. Yeah, um, I was going to say about the same. Oh, right on, right on. Yeah, we can go for another, another little bit. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the bathroom real quick. You guys continue. Yeah, man. I can hear. Yeah, it, 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 it's generally till until exhaustion. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, until until we just sort of like mentally lose track of reality. That's usually how it goes. Uh, 
I'm really, I'm, I don't know if you can hear me from where you're at. I'm curious. Do you, so do you know this director? It sounds like you know him personally. Oh, no, he can't hear me. Everybody, everybody left the building except me. Uh, so now I can tell you about my plans to murder them both. They're only going to find out about this when it's too late. But you know, the audience, you know. Also, amazing if they never come back. <laughs> It's kind of weird to hear a dog and it wasn't yours. Yeah, I know. I know. It made me a little, little misty, a little uh, forlorn. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sad. I, I, uh, I, I, I did a little, a little gift for you while you both were away. So I heard you just... talking. Oh. I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell. Oh, oh, oh good, good, good. Okay, yeah. good. I'm glad you couldn't tell. Yeah, my plan's going, going. It's going correctly. Yeah. <laughs> my plan is going according to pl plan. I was yeah, I think that that's my brain realized that I was I was like, <laughs> I can't say fuck. That's not what <laughs> God damn it. You've gone like horror found footage mode there, Rev. Okay, now you're back to oh. you were like super scary looking there. You were like <laughs> like red light, high contrast, nothing but blackness around you. Oh, cool. It's like how do I do that on purpose? Yeah, I don't know. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. Now you're now you're gonna survive. <laughs> I was looking like a red shirt. Yeah, it's weirdly starting to bend green. I don't know why that. It's you're slowly becoming a sci-fi movie. That's the next. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It looks like early two thousand sci-fi now. <laughs> That's cool. Oh, so so uh, Evan, how do you you know Scooter? I uh, just through the internet, man. Um, okay. But, but he's going to be at the con and we're going to hang out for the weekend. So then I'll be able to say that I really, really know him. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> That's awesome. That yeah. Appropriate timing too. Yeah. He, um, I used to do a podcast called ritual light and sound, which was like, um, cinema uh, occultism in film was, was the deal about the podcast. And, uh, I would do, um, it was a thing. Fuck, what was it called? It was named after some uh, a cat, one of the great cats. It was called like Lynx or something like that. There was a site where you could stream movies from your like whatever you, you could screen share essentially in like a chat room. Oh, wow. And it was like four movie people to set up like screenings for of stuff you couldn't find in other places. And uh like I was always hyping Shattered Dead on the social media account for that podcast I had, and and people wanted to see it but couldn't find it because the the blue hadn't been put out. This was a couple years ago, and um, so we set up like a screening one night, and I just hit up Scooter. Um, no, I'm telling this wrong. The Scooter's uh, cinematographer and producer, I think. I think Alex shoots. 
he shot – I think he shot 16 tongues and St. Frankenstein, and he, he produced them as well. He was a Twitter bud, and he was like, man, I'll just like – let me see if I can get Scooter to join Twitter. And I was like, okay, cool. And he did. And Scooter like showed up and he was like, oh shit, y'all are going to watch Shatterdown Friday night? And I was like, yeah. He was like, man, I'll come. And I was like, fuck, cool. <laughs> he showed up and it became like, it's like we were watching the movie, but then there's like a chat bar on the side. And so we were just like live quizzing Scooter about stuff. You're just like, how the oh, fuck damn. do you do this? What were you thinking here? You know, what is this? You know? And he was just so cool, just um, real funny and real down to earth, and uh, just a just cool dude. And we so we hit it off and stayed in touch. And then when we put the con together, and I was thinking about filmmakers to invite, I was like, well, obviously I'll invite Scooter, you know, and see if he'll come. And uh, and he was like way into it. Um, <laughs> and uh, and to me, that's like a big, you know, he's like a celebrity to me. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, I feel you like most of the people that I can that I feel like a celebrity thing about like are not people anybody else knows about. Or right. Knows yeah. About. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the cool thing is that we're also going to screen Redneck Zombies um, because there's this uh, you guys know trauma. Yeah. Your trauma. Films? Yeah. Uh, so um, trauma has a streaming app called trauma now. And there's like a they have series on there. And there's a series called Fantastico Disaster Peace Theater. And it's like this this guy in a luchador outfit who does like a horror host thing, you know, like a classic <laughs> horror host thing. But he's he's really funny and um, uh, like actually kind of edgy, you know, still. He's like genuinely still funny. He's not just playing it safe. And uh, he's going to come and shoot a live episode of Disaster Peace Theater theater wow. um for trauma at the con and the movie we're screening is redneck zombies so it's like we're doing a shot on video extravaganza in that motherfucker so it's, it's gonna be cool that's awesome yeah damn that's really cool it seems like <clears throat> immediately you've plugged into like the these big interests you know and like people are taken to it that's a really good sign yeah hopefully so man i, I think um and that's sort of lucky time and i think like people are shot on video just sort of recently kind of jumped the gap between like real niche communities and, you know, a lot broader horror film community that's like looking to get into something different or, or something a little grimy. And a lot of it's like nostalgia leads people to shot on video nowadays too, you know, like the eighties, nineties thing is so big and people are like, Oh shit, there's this whole, network of people who are making movies for like nothing mm. it's straight up video cameras and Wait, so many it, of them are really good it, it's it's become like the i was actually watching i forget what the youtube channel is called but he was he was going over this whole thing called marble hornets which is where a lot of the slender man shit was like kind of codified was in this okay. like youtube okay. youtube series but he was talking about that there's a real love of that video lo-fi aesthetic and people are making it's like they're 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 gunning to make stuff that looks that way because it has there's something about that that grainy weird quality that makes that can lend itself to making things more unnerving 
Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like um, it's a uh, cinema psychology, right? So we, I mean, we're all. I feel like we're of the same age. How old are you guys? I'm 39, 38, 44. Okay. Right on. So, so we were all raised on film, on on shit yeah. that was shot on film, on celluloid, and so to us. Uh, celluloid at 24 frames a second is what tell is what makes your eyeballs tell your brain I'm watching a movie I'm watching a piece of art a piece of entertainment this is unreal this is cinema mm. um, but like video looks closer to reality video says to you like oh is this fucking real yeah yeah. You know, and so your brain like is responding to that shit differently. You'll especially when it comes to like horror and that kind of thing. Um, you're immediately like, fuck it, is what I'm looking at real? And that affects you differently, obviously. Um, and it's interesting that it's still booming. I guess it just shows like, you know, older cats still hold the market ultimately, right? Like we're really the people spending money on stuff. Uh, because Zoomers were like raised on video and to them, they don't have the same feeling about cinema that we do, you know? Yeah. Um, and I mean, I mean, I like, I got Zoomer homies and stuff and they, they really don't, they don't care about the way a movie looks like I do at all. Yeah. Um, and that, that stuff doesn't register to them because everything they grew up watching was shot on digital and they're just like, they're like, oh, yeah, that's what a movie looks like right and i'm like yeah. nah like i remember we remember when it was different you know <laughs> but it's hard to shake that like psychology off when that's coming in your eyes you your brain is like i'm watching a movie but then when video's coming in you're like am i watching a movie yeah yeah what and i i think there's also the like like video like the older videos like there's the the limitations of the medium are apparent apparent in what's being filmed right sure. and 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 like what you're saying it's there's that that sense of at least the older way like that's that might be real because that's what you know normal people had access to that you don't have access to the film cameras and all that right shit. right so there's that psychology but i think i think there's also an appeal to it because everything's so clean now like digital video is like crisp and like yeah it, 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 and it just keeps getting crisper and like cleaner and sharper whereas yeah. like uh, old vhs and shit is just like it's it can't it can only get so tight and like focused it's just the, right. it, the quality of it's going to prevent that from happening yeah and i think i think there's an appeal to that too because there's it's like oh there's character to this like the thing that this thing is recorded on was physical like it has a yeah it had a it had an, uh, a thing that that it lived on, whereas now it's like, where does it, where does anything go? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it's like the whole process is kind of ephemeral. Yeah, I mean, um, I guess you know, like super boil down what you said. The the further we progress with digital, the cleaner our cinematography gets, the more like reality it gets. And the less aesthetic, that's not aesthetic. You know what I mean? Like when you look around at the world, you know, I don't know, unless you're dosed or, you know, or something like it, you, typically we don't look around and go like fucking 
wow, what a fucking aesthetic I have, you know? Like, when I look at shit, it's dope. I like the way I look at shit. But, you know, when you watch, like, Suspiria, you watch a, an Argento movie or something that's beautiful, that's that's an aesthetic. That's not reality. That's something we can put between us and reality that gives it, that makes it art. Um, yeah. When we remove any opportunity to apply an aesthetic, when we're just, like, presenting reality, ah, yeah you know yeah. yeah there's i think one of my favorite things in the world is when there's like uh there's room for your visual senses to play with you and and like like if you're stoned at night and you're staring off there might be some moonlight or something but like the yeah. darkness itself moves around and takes shape and takes forms and like you get that from like bad quality movies like you put in a vhs and a vhs player and there's like there's a blurriness between like where things stop and start and like that's like we 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 covered the movie pie a little while back and that's like one of my favorites just because of the the high contrast throughout the whole movie yeah. like yeah. the whole thing looks like a like the, the same kind of like punch to it as like a warhol piece but it it uh it's moving and it's black and white and and i and remarking the episode like it kind of feels like manga like yeah you know, like, yeah man yeah um and like that that kind of texture uh you can't you can make up for that in set design or yeah. in, in in certain like colorings and things but it's like it it's different when you do both when you're layering the texture of of the general aesthetic that you would see when you're on set on top of something that's going on in the actual device that's recording it. Like when you get that layered effect, it, it makes a composite like, and it, it, that's what kind of gives you a unique vibe. Right. Yeah. That's in, you know, and it's the equivalent in painting is surface. Like what is the surface you're using to paint on? Right. Like, mm. like and, and something that I was told is kind of a, it's kind of a, it's hard to, you, especially in this day and age to wrap your head around it when you first hear it, but it's like the painting starts with the canvas, mm. like what, yeah, how you make it, like, what is the weave on it? That's all going to, it's starting right there. And so it's also, it's, I was just thinking about what you, what you just said. It looks like a manga. It's our zine. It's like, it's like that whole movie is like a Xerox. Yeah. It's like it was made on a Xerox machine is, is almost what that feels like. And, um, and yeah, I think, uh, that's, that's kind of, that's getting lost in this whole idea of like perfection or quality that, that all of these cameras have. Yeah. Um, because to me, it's, it's still, that's still not reality. That's, it's like this other, all, all of these, all of these, uh, all these devices and materials are substitutions. They all have an aesthetic at some point, even the aesthetic that's going on now will be looked at in the past as a, as having a specific time. Yeah. Like I don't know where it's going to go from here, but it's going to it's going to look different in like a couple of years. Right. That's really yeah. interesting cuz this this is in my head immediately it's like this is just the myth of progress poisoning people in a, in this is how it shows up in this field, right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Everything's always going to keep getting better forever. Right. We're always getting further and further from this stupid time where we believed in spirits and gods and sure, didn't yeah. understand the way things really worked. Uh -huh. um, yeah. It's like that 
we're getting closer to perfection as if perfection is the, something to aspire to in the first place. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, like when we were just talking about like, um, like you said, Kurt, like it's the the footage is getting more and more like our eyeballs, but it it's not looking any more real somehow when you watch it. Like to me, if you take a, you know, um, a lot of what they shoot stuff on digitally in Hollywood is is a, a camera called the Red. It's a company called Red, and like one of their best cameras is is called the Epic Dragon, right? So like, that was just pretty dope. But if you shoot something, if if you just like plonk it down in wherever you are right now and shoot some footage in your house with a Red Epic Dragon, you shoot that same footage with your phone or with like a VHS camera or whatever. Uh, to me, what's going to look more real is the version off your phone or off the VHS camera, even though the red is going to be closer to reality, closer to how our eyes see in, in, in definition and in speed, frame speed, but it somehow doesn't translate as much as reality. I don't know. It is weird. It's like totally a myth of progress. It's like uh, it is it's getting cleaner and better, but it somehow isn't it's getting less affecting. Mm -hmm. mm. What well, I think uh, as as someone who's who's studied painting and drawing and like all of these, the the thing that uh, that's happened with the invention of the camera is that actually people think, oh, camera is real. But the camera, just like a painting or drawing, is its own type of abstraction and artifice. Mm. Um but it's a lens. What, yeah. one, like one of the more one of the more direct ways is it's one eye versus two, and that in itself is going to affect and flatten reality in a way that that is just not true to how we actually see. Right. Yeah. Um, um, and you know there are like uh, there are guys who think have thought for fucking forty years now that film should have moved into. Um, stereoscopic mm. you know, that, that we should be watching movies uh, like that that are shot stereoscopic and then presented to you stereoscopically but it's just like <clears throat> it's funny how the the medium of certain art forms like the technology of the medium changes the whole way we interact with it and the way it's created and stuff over the years yeah yeah there's, yeah. there's uh, it's funny though. I don't, have you ever done VR? Not uh, in not in a long time. No, I haven't done yeah. any like, modern VR. Okay, because like the to me that's okay. So so ostensibly that's that's the closest, right? It's it you're inventing a 3D thing and you're putting a helmet on there, but it's it has this weird quality of like it feels the most distant from whatever you're engaging with because uh... there's. Because there's like, you feel like a ghost because there's, you don't have any actual tangible way to touch anything. It's, uh -huh. like, it's like, there's like this really huge barrier. Like you can look around and look at things and it, it that also has this word disorienting, but you, you're not actually in that world because it just, hmm. you, you, you have to have some weird device to even try to like interact with it. It's you're just really a, strange. You're a cook. You're a cook for reality. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Interesting. And but but like if you that same experience uh, experienced through like a television screen is is like more tangible and more effective. Yeah. 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 And yeah, I guess it probably is because of what you were saying. Like it's probably tied into your sense of self, right? Because when you're when you're in the VR, yeah, where are you? Yeah, and and how do you interact? But then when you're in your living room looking at your TV, like you know where you are, you yeah. know. And um, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I also feel like, and this is definitely a product of like my age, but watching something on a tube TV feels more immediate to me than something on, <laughs> on like a new fancy 4k yeah it, it does it does man and because that's that's how i that's how i took in all the news when i was of an age to believe anything the news said so like what was happening on tv when i was a kid was all very real to me uh but at a certain age like right around the time tv switch was when i figured out like oh this is just entertainment for adults yeah. Yeah, it's all bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. And that, you know, that may, may very well just be nostalgia. Probably has to just be nostalgia, right? Because it's always been just as fake. We just... Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just know, that the, the belief was there at the age when I took it in from that kind of screen. It's like... Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but there is, there is something less tangible about, like, our, about LCD screens and the way they affect us and i i see it as like a comic book dude um i try and read comics online and it's um i don't know it's funny it's like uh when it's on paper it, it has a weight to it but when it's when it's coming through the kindle or the phone screen it's like um it's like i'm looking at a thin projection you know what i mean it's like yeah. I just, it's, it doesn't have the the same tangibility to it and uh so there's there's something kind of weird about lcd something like super ephemeral about what's presented to you through an lcd i don't know there's a i just recently was made aware of uh i don't you know who knows what's been done with them because people people put patents on shit all the time it doesn't work out it's just like i have this idea i don't want someone to steal it but there are patents yeah. from like i think it was probably about 20 years ago <clears throat> Um, I wrote the I wrote the guy's name down somewhere um, that this guy who it had had an educated background in the right fields uh, for this had a patent on like basically thought manipulation and mind control using the technology that already existed for like LCD screen for for television screens and for for uh, the next generation <laughs> stuff too, like using certain like because it can emit certain fields like and they can fluctuate and they're very subtle and they're not necessarily like harmful or anything but they can they've been they were shown to be able to affect mood using them and and he was like put a patent on it because he's like somebody's gonna want this later and i'm like if that's pop if that guy who had that education think that it's thought that it was like that plausible like 15 20 years ago and then he died and uh i don't <laughs> i couldn't fig find anything on where the patent went yeah, he, he died. <laughs> yeah. Um, so his you know. his name was was R. L. Guy, real guy. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, he, he was he was real. Like he has he his story checked out, uh, but 
but who knows uh <laughs> couldn't figure <laughs> out like who owns that patent now or anything but just yeah. the idea that like somebody educated enough to think it's possible went to the trouble to spend money on the patent and like yeah, yeah there's something different about uh the lcd screens yeah. maybe that maybe that maybe that guy is an actual angel and he's like i'm gonna patent this and not sell it to anyone so they can't do this shit. <laughs> yeah sure sure there's well i mean that's just kind of like official officiating the idea into the world too though yeah then the, the cia is just like got a guy who's like checking every patent for its usefulness and then like okay okay we'll send somebody over absolutely yeah you yes. know evan you, you you're talking about the like the comics on a screen versus the book that it's it's there's another interesting thing about that like when it's on like a kindle or like an ipad or something because you you can only engage with it one page at a time sometimes mm -hmm. even like one panel at a time yeah. whereas like the actual book is like it's this block of time like you yeah. can sort of like open it up and jump around in the story like the, you, there's like this sense of continuity with it which doesn't exist at all yes exactly that's yeah like i um i'm a big i'm a film nerd and a lot of my friends are and uh they'll get mad at me when i say that like the film is the most inferior way to tell a story that we have in the modern world um and the, the comic books are the best way <laughs> that we have to tell a story and that's part of it right is that like um a movie is dictated to you at 24 frames per second that's a fucking movie bar give or take some slow-mo or whatever you know but mostly what we take as a movie is 24 frames per second clipping along at you no chance to you have no control over that as a as a you know the audience member but in a comic book yeah that block of time is is yours you know to to explore however you wish and it's meant to be used in that way especially when you're reading stuff from masterful motherfuckers like alan moore you know we talk about um surely you're familiar with watchmen right yeah um the central issue of watchmen is fearful symmetry right and the whole book the whole issue is symmetrical the, the whole book the whole every 28 pages i think it is is um laid out in a mirror image uh, of the the first 14 and the second 14 are laid out in a mirror image of each other and you once you reach the center of it you might perhaps realize that and go oh shit and like then when you finish the second half you're like oh and then you flip back and you're comparing pages you're like oh what the fuck am i looking at you know <laughs> and that's like meant to heighten that sense of you know, at that point in the story, all these like uh, plot points are coming together like tumblers in a lock in a very unreal way. All these things yeah. are lining up in a very like way that things don't happen in real life. And Moore knows that and he's helping present that to you by being like, yes, look, I have crafted this fucking world, you know, like a <laughs> bitch. Every part of it is is surgically in place. You can't film that. No, you can't film that, uh, you yeah. know. You can't even really um, like I did my best to describe it, but it's nothing to what it's like when you're the one holding it in your hands and you are flipping through that. It's a, it's not translatable. And and there's there's another there's a even weird there's a weirder aspect, and I think I think I think actually Alan Moore is like really aware of that that quality of oh, yeah. <clears throat> uh, a comic book is probably what it would be like to be a fourth or fifth dimensional entity. 
yes and how you would you would engage with the reality and that like you could jump around mm-hmm. and, and look at w- different parts of time and like make connections and like influence right. things <laughs> right right and that's what grant has been too big time nowadays like the past 10 years worth of grant stuff has been very fifth dimensional perspective i mean they did a whole um grant did uh yeah dc rebooted a while back and took everything back to basically like year one in dc and they gave superman to grant to like start over which is so wild because they just let grant do all the like end game work for batman in the previous era um but grant's take on superman was like this really wild psychedelic occult fifth dimensional thing. It was really fucking rad. Hmm. Interesting. It's that's, that's uh, not all star Superman, is it? It's something else. Yeah, that's it's um it's like uh it's action comic starring Superman. I think it's okay. what it's, huh. it's the one where like for the first couple issues he's just in like a t shirt and jeans with the the symbol and then for a while he has like the cape and the t-shirt and the jeans <laughs> but it's fucking it's so good like so so good and it's so like about the power of will and about um you know gamifying reality and looking at it as as something that you gotta like stomp on from time to time like there's this really rad part where like, he hasn't ever flown at this point, it's like a, like five or six issues in, and he's just super fast, is all he knows. He's like bulletproof and crazy fucking fast. And like all these people on the international, the, the international space station has like caught fire and it's fucking burning down. And the, the people that are dying, and like Superman can hear them up there, you know, dying. And he's like, I gotta do something. And he's like, I don't know how. And he's, he's like a 16 or he's like an 18 year old kid or something. And so he's like, he like gets these fools to set this ramp up for him. Um, and he's like, I think if I, if I run fast enough and I hit that ramp, I could fucking angle and shoot myself straight up to the fucking space station and get them right. And there's this like military dude there. And he goes, son, is that possible? And, um, and Superman goes, anything's possible if you really want it to be (laughs) this is everything this is like all his his whole thesis statement about superman is like it's about will you know and then these weird like fifth dimensional aliens come to like unravel the continuity of time and uh oh man it's good (laughs) i should read that (laughs) yeah the 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 thing that keeps me from reading a bunch more uh graphic novels is uh is that i don't actually i don't really enjoy engaging with them on the screen and i don't have enough money to buy them (laughs) but like that's that's fair but you know if you ever consider it i think it's like a total of 12 issues or something oh it's good (laughs) at some point i'll crack i i mean it wasn't that bad like we read all of scalp for that episode so like yeah oh shit that's a long run too right yeah yeah, 60s something issues, I think. Okay. Is Scout Garth Ennis? No. Oh, oh shit. What is the guy's name? Fuck, I don't remember. Oh, god damn it. 
I'll look it up because I because okay. I okay. word. Yeah. <clears throat> Aaron Jason Aaron. Uh, oh, yeah. that's right. Poor Jason Aaron. Yeah, he got canceled. RM RM Guerra. Um yeah, they got canceled canceled uh canceled. Yeah, yeah. He you know, and it you know, um I'm not like uh quick to cancel a motherfucker type. Like if I like your shit, I like your shit. I'm not inviting you to come hang out with my mama, you know. <laughs> Care what you're into to a certain extent. Um but his is certainly a bad look. He's like uh I think he he may have roughed up his wife. Or girlfriend uh, or something. He got some domestic abuse charges, I do believe. Uh, it's it's not a good look, <laughs> and and that's a shame because he wrote a killer like southern graphic novel. I don't know if you've uh, read. It's called Southern Bastards. No, oh um, no, I haven't. Man, it's good. It's good. Um, it's uh, yeah, about this um this guy who like goes home to small town, like small town America in the South. He's been away for a while and he goes home to sort of like deal with a bunch of ghosts that his dad left behind basically. Um, and some bad deals. And it's just, uh, it's like just really well written introspective, um, violent shit you know it's just like uh it's like like if somebody's like a mob story like a somebody stepping back into the world of the mafia kind of story but it's in like bumfuck texas or something yeah and it's just like these this like small town criminal organization that holds everything tight and um and yeah, it's cool. it has some cool you know like uh non-preachy just mad real shit to say about racism and, and the South and shit. Like I thought it was really, really good, and, but I don't think he's ever going to finish it because he got canceled and his publishers all dropped him and shit. So mm. oh, damn. And it's a shame he couldn't have finished it first. <laughs> yeah. Finish the story first and then be your girlfriend out later. Like, <laughs> Or just don't, but you know, if you're going to anyway. Yeah. Preferably just don't do that. Like, yeah. but, but wait, like, wait. Was was his girlfriend the artist at the time? Maybe maybe she was going <laughs> too slow. <laughs> yeah, right. Yikes. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> On that note, uh <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so thanks so much for coming. And I wanna encourage everybody to check out the show notes. If you live anywhere in reasonable distance and you're you know you're into it, like check out VoidCon, go there, please. Uh sounds like it's gonna be awesome. And uh yeah. I know there's there's gonna be quite a few other cool people there from from the server. Um Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be a good time. Right. And thanks so much for coming, man. It's been great to talk to you in face to face uh sort of and yeah man it's been good talking to y'all really yeah um all right peace yeah <clears throat> peace